Good morning. I'm going to invite you to take your seats. Good morning, Impact City. It's so good to see you today. I'm excited uh, for what God has in store for us. Um, it's great to gather once again after celebrating the resurrection life of our Lord. Um, it was an incredible celebration that we were able to come together and just celebrate Jesus' victory over death. And we're, we're grateful for that. And I'd like, I'd like to continue the conversation on hope. I spoke to you last Sunday on the subject, resurrected hope. And because of Jesus, we have hope regardless of whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. So I want to continue that conversation and build off of that today uh, with the help of the Lord. And I'm going to turn your attention for that to John chapter 18. We're going to read two different segments of it. If you have the Version app, it's there. Um, if not, John 18, 15 through 17, we'll put it on the screen as well. And then we'll jump to 25 uh, to 27. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant, girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. I'm not. Um, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So once again, continuing the conversation on hope. Because I believe uh, life's greatest challenges are best faced when, when it gets tough. It's best faced when we have hope when we have the hope of Jesus' power, when we have the hope of Jesus' presence in our lives, that we understand, that we know that, yes, it's a difficult season right now, but, but God is still with us. To know that he is with us in the darkest moments of our lives. I love the way Matthew put it in Matthew 14 when we understand that the disciples are in the boat and there is a storm it's chaos. It is all sorts of turmoil that is taking place. But the Bible tells us that in the middle of that, that Jesus comes walking towards them. And the situation around them didn't change. The storm is still going on. The problem that you're facing at home is still taking place. But Jesus walks into the situation and he says, fear not. It is I. It doesn't mean that the circumstance, it doesn't mean that the conditions change, but the fact that Jesus walked into the situation should give us a new perspective and give us a new outlook. He asked them, fear not, I'm here with you. When, when he walks into your bedroom at three in the morning when you don't know what to do and he says, fear not, it doesn't mean that the trial leaves immediately, but it means that his presence hallelujah, can change the circumstances that we're facing. 
It means that the fact that he is entering into your life and telling you, you know what, it's going to be okay because if I, if I can clothe the lilies with beauty, and how much more will I clothe you? If I can take care of the sparrows, how much more will I take care of you? It just lets us know that because Jesus is present, I can, I can have hope. Amen. I can have hope in him. When we look at last week, Mary's journey to the tomb on that first Easter morning and how it was met with surprise because she looked, she was going to, to find Jesus' body, to anoint it for burial, but instead she saw him face to face, alive and well. His resurrection on that day filled her with a renewed hope and it changed everything. For her, and it changes everything for us today. And following Mary's encounter with Christ on that particular day, there were others who saw him as well. And today we are able to take a dive into this particular portion of scripture to be able to see how the love of Jesus can restore the hope in our lives, how it can restore our hope even after great disappointment, even after great disappointment, even after our choices. Amen. Can, can lead us into a dark place. I'm grateful that Jesus sees us even in that circumstance. Because let's be honest, every single one of us have made choices that lead to some disappointment. Every single one of us have made some choices that lead to some disappointment. And Peter is an example of that. And the Bible is clear to let us know that we, we can only imagine how Peter must have felt as the final days of Jesus' life unfolded right before his eyes, and he is devastated that his friend is being taken away and is going to be nailed on this Roman cross. He's disappointed. I'm sure that he knows that Judas, hey, this guy that I used to hang out with, he betrayed Jesus. Judas, this guy had turned his back on him, and he, he seems heartbroken because it seems that Rome has won in this particular instance. But perhaps Peter was most saddened that he had denied Jesus, that he had denied Jesus three times, not just once, not twice, but three times when Jesus maybe needed him the most. He was not there. He couldn't come through. And each of us in this place can, can relate to this circumstance where somebody was counting on us and we didn't come through, or we were counting on someone and they didn't come through. We all know the pain. The pain of the discouragement that comes. I was counting on you. I was depending on you. Or they were depending on us. But because of our poor choices, there's always some disappointment. We all, we all know the discouragement that, that lies within the things that we don't have control over. There's some things that we have absolutely no control. But I'm talking about the things that we do have control over. And the story of the resurrection shows us that, yes, there is disappointment. The story of the resurrection shows us that there is heartbreak. But the story of the resurrection also reminds us that if Jesus, as I mentioned last Sunday, can overcome death, there is nothing in our lives that he cannot overcome. And the church said amen. There is nothing that the resurrected Jesus cannot overcome. And I'm grateful that the story does not end with Peter down and out, it doesn't end with his state of denial. No, Peter is given a second chance 
to be able to have a restored relationship with Jesus. And I've come to remind somebody here today that you used to have a relationship with him. Yeah, you may have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, been baptized, but then you've turned your back on him. I'm glad to tell you that he still loves you. I'm glad to tell you that he, you can still have a relationship with him today. There is nothing that he cannot overcome that you have been through. And there is nothing that, you can over, that, that is impossible to overcome that you are facing here today. Peter is given the chance to restore the relationship with the Savior with this question. He says, do you love me? Jesus has this heart-to-heart conversation. Do you love me? And Jesus asks us the same question today. In your state and in your condition, he says, do you love me? Resurrection hope comes from knowing that Jesus is faithful, even when we're not. Even when we're not, that we're reminded that Jesus loves us back to wholeness. There's choices all the time in our lives that lead to disappointment. And I'll share one with you. on a very, on the surface. So we used to have a Suburban and I was in a hurry. And I hit the garage door, I get in my car not thinking anything of it because when you hit the garage door opener, the garage door is supposed to open, right? So you would hope so. So I don't even think of checking the rearview mirror because I am, my faith and my confidence is in this garage door opener. And this may be learned from my mistakes, so you can imagine it just goes up halfway. I, I still to this day do not know what caused it, but I do know that I ended up paying some money because I broke the back, win- the, the, the back window. And, and I would love to tell you that that happened once. <laughs> but it happened twice. The guy at the body shop and I are really good friends now. <laughs> if you need some, yeah. Um, I was in a hurry. I didn't think to look. But after two times, I promise you, till this day, I will not walk, I will not reverse until I look out. But th- that small choice on that level led to some disappointment because that garage door is not at fault. I'm at fault because I didn't see that. I made that choice to hit reverse and to go 30 miles an hour in reverse. Did not end well. But there's some, there's some choices that you and I have made, maybe in our relationships, maybe with our children, maybe at home, maybe there, there's situations that we have made some poor choices and we made some bad decisions and, and now we look back and we're having to live with that. We're having to live with the hurt and we're having to live with the disappointment that, that causes you heartache, that doesn't let you sleep at night sometimes, that, that has you frustrated, and that has you, that has you walking around in a frail state. And, and because of that, everybody that you come in contact with is affected because of something that's going deep down on the inside. You've, you've experienced that. Maybe your coworkers have acted like that with you, or maybe you've been that coworker that because of what's going on on the inside, it, it comes to play on the outside. And one of the greatest challenges that each of us face in this room 
in this life is how to handle relationships. Learning to apologize and forgive are some of the most difficult tasks that we undertake. When we experience brokenness between husbands and wives, parents and children, or maybe even between friends, it can rob us of our hope of that relationship, of what it could look like. And, and it hurts us, and we're, we're questioning what that relationship will look like in the future. But in and through the power of Christ, we have hope. Regardless of what that relationship looks like right now, regardless of what that friendship looks like right now, because of the power of Jesus, there is hope for that re relationship to be restored. I'm grateful for hope that comes after disappointment. The story of Jesus' resurrection speaks to these challenges that we face in life as well. As Jesus was being arrested, as he's being crucified, as he's being taken away in fear for their own lives, they turned their backs on him. And they said, they, I, I don't want anything to do with him because what if that happens to me? We're told of this one disciple that we're, we're looking at today named Peter who betrays Jesus. No, he doesn't betray him like Judas betrays him, but he betrays him by denying him and stating that he doesn't even know who he is. After three years, you would think after three years of being trained next to Jesus, of doing ministry, of doing life right alongside Jesus, that, that Peter would would know and have some confidence and know in the power of who he was walking with and who he was talking with. But yet Peter carelessly refuses to remain loyal. He makes his own decision. He denies his connection with Christ. He denies his relationship with him. And three different times Peter is questioned. It's like if he's given an opportunity to be able to redeem himself. But the three times that he is asked this question, he says, nope, don't know the guy. Don't know the guy. And each time he distances himself. And there's three things that I want to point out from this story. There's three things that we can see as Peter distances himself because of the choices that he, he's making. And the first is what are our lives, what our lives demonstrate? What is your life showing? What is your life? I'm not talking about inside these four walls. I'm talking about when we leave this place, what does our life? demonstrate because this morning in this room there are likely many of us here today that we can think over the past weeks that we can think over the past months or maybe even the past years and we can point to thoughts we can point to words we can point to actions that have hurt the heart of God help us today Lord and we can think of thoughts we can think of Words, and we can think of actions that have hurt those around us. And like Peter, many of us, time and time again, live as if we don't know who Jesus is. We live as we don't know who he is. We break trust. We speak harshly. We're not genuine. And we hold hate in our hearts. Unfortunately, some of the most unloving and difficult people that maybe you and I have come across may be people from church. Maybe people that we have been around for so long. And we must ask ourselves this question, what do our lives say about our connection to Jesus? What does my life say about my connection to Jesus? Because let's, let's be transparent. There's some things that I have to keep in check. Amen so that 
my connection with Jesus is not questioned. Maybe today you have left a trail of destruction. And maybe today you've made poor choice after poor choice after poor choice that has resulted in a lot of disappointment, that has resulted in a lot of heartbreak. But I'm, grateful, I'm, I'm glad to tell you that your story doesn't have to end like that. Your story doesn't have to end there today. You might have a history of broken relationships that have left you without the hope if things could ever change, if things could ever look better. But the good news is that Peter's story is here to remind us today that though we make poor choices that we bring, though we have, we have problems that we have brought upon ourselves, that, our, that Peter's story does not end in that way. It does not end in disappointment, that our story does not have to end that way either. John 21, 1 through 3 says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out. They got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. That, that night they caught nothing. Following Peter's denial of Christ and, and ultimately his death, the Bible tells us that Peter and the others go back to fishing. The, the, these few verses that we've read is one of the first post-resurrection appearances that, that Jesus is about to make to his followers. Many of them uh, had been close to Jesus. They had worked in ministry with him, but they also had a background as fishermen. They were fishermen by trait. That was what, that, that's why Jesus told them, come, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. But after Jesus has been uh, crucified and has been buried, they go back to what they know. They go back to what they're familiar with. They had left their nets because they believed in Jesus, but here they go coming back to this life. Their leader had been killed. They decided to go back to what they knew, to what was common for them. Not only would that fishing trip on that day have been somber as they mourned Jesus, thinking to themselves, if that wasn't enough, they're, they're doing something that they've done for so many years. They're, they're supposed to be professionals, but they're not catching anything. They're not catching anything. Look what verse 3 tells us, that their nets were empty as well. So look what verse 4 says. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. I want to stop right here and say they could have easily said, nope, we've been doing this all night. They could have easily stopped and said, you know, we have tried and there is nothing that comes from this. Our nets are absolutely empty. But can I tell you that there's a difference when we do it God's way? Can I tell you that you can experience some different results if we listen to the voice of God and what he outlines for us in his word and what he is telling us? Can I tell you today that even though you have failed, if you listen to God and he tells you to do something, even though you can say, you know what, I've tried it before. I'm not going to try to work at this relationship anymore. I'm not going to try to mend uh, this, this hurt relationship with my child. I'm not going to try to make things right between my spouse. I've tried it before. Jesus, but can I tell you, if we do it his way, 
you can experience different results. I'm grateful that they, I'm grateful that they didn't put any excuses. I'm grateful that they didn't say, you know what, nope, I'm not going to try it. They said, you know what, I'll give it another chance. If you're telling me, Jesus, I believe your word to be true, and I believe your word to be faithful, and if you're calling me to do it, I know that I, I, know that I will experience different results. I'm grateful for that. And when they did, look what they said. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Can I tell you that he can turn your mourning into dancing? Can I tell you that he can give you beauty for ashes? Can I tell you that you can be on one extreme, but I serve a God that can take you to another level just like that? Can I tell you that you may be hurt and you may be saying, I have these walls up and I'm not going to let anybody in. But can I tell you that if Jesus steps in, you can experience different results because it is not a man that is guiding you. It's not a man, but it is the voice that said, let there be light. He is speaking to you. And your situation can change because of his word. All you need is one word from him. Look, they were unable to haul this in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7 says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. They realized at that moment, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There was fish on it and some bread. To the disciples' surprise on this day, can you imagine if you're in a... a a visual learner, you can imagine with me what this looks like. As Jesus comes to the shore, they're, they're frustrated. They're trying to do things their own way. Jesus comes up. He comes to them. They're not looking for him. They have no idea what is taking place. Jesus shows up that day on the shore of the lake where they're fishing. They don't recognize him, kind of like Mary the past week. But the beautiful thing about this story is that Jesus is the one who initiates the restored relationship. It was not them that came to Jesus. It was Jesus that came to them. And I want to tell you this morning that he comes to the shoreline. And he calls out to the boat that you're on. He comes to the shore of the lake this morning and he calls to you that have, that have created distance between you and him. You that, that have denied him in the way you have lived, in the way you have chosen to, to, to make some decisions. He comes to the shoreline and he says, hey, I, I know you, you turned your back on me, but I still love you. He comes to the shoreline and says, hey, you may have denied me, but I'm here to give you a second opportunity. I want to preach hope to somebody today that says, I feel far from God and my relationship with Jesus is not what it should be. I want to tell you things can change today. He comes, he's come to remind you with his word, hey, hey, I, I see you and I see what you've been through. I see the heartache that you've gone through. I've seen the challenges that you faced. And I want to remind you that you're not alone and you're never forsaken. I want to tell you today that that same God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same God, he stands on the shore of your life, on the shore of your disappointment, on the shore of your failure. And he says, come on. He says, I'll take you just like that. He says, I'll take you just like that. There's nothing that you've done that, that, that will turn me away. He says, I'll take you just like that. 
I'm grateful for a God that loves me just the way I am. But I'm also glad that he loves me enough to not let me stay the way I am. He wants to love you back to wholeness this morning. He wants to love you back to wholeness and says, you've tried to do things your way, but go on. Give this a second chance. As soon as the disciples recognize that it is Jesus who told them to fish on the other side of their boat and miraculously, miraculously provides a, a great catch like they had never seen before, Peter leaps into the water. He begins swimming to where Jesus is at. And the second thing is this, that grace restores our hope. So I have to look at what my life says about my connection to Jesus. But, but then I have to know that grace restores the hope. Grace restores the hope. I can only imagine why Peter responds so drastically and so quickly. But I can only give you what I can gather from the context, clues, from everything, from the information that's provided. I think he leaves no time, he wastes no time in leaving the boat because he's filled with hope. Because I can imagine that he is thinking about the last time he was close to Jesus and how he denied him. And the fact that Jesus is here means that I can restore the relationship that has been broken. The fact that Jesus has showed up today means that I can restore the hope. I can restore this relationship that, that has, has not been what it needs to be. Many of us this morning have felt that we have, been, we have made too many mistakes to be forgiven. Many people, and if it's not you, you know somebody who says, there's no way I could go into church. There's no way. Some of us have lost hope that God could ever love us the, 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 the way that he has the way he first showed us, should I say. And this morning, I want to invite you to see the Savior uh, that has come to the shore of your life. And he is offering you grace. He's offering you grace. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher, told of an evening where he was just tired. And he was just, just weary. His body was hurting and he was just in, in a very frail state. And the story tells us that he goes, and all of a sudden, 2 Corinthians pops in, in his mind, and he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, you're tired, yes, you're tired Charles, but my grace is sufficient for thee. And he said, all of a sudden, my mind went to, to the imagination of a fish in the ocean, drinking water, and thinking that, that the water is going to run out. But, but knowing that, that there is an endless supply, knowing that, that he can drink all that he needs because there's enough water in it for him. And then he said, then my, my mind went to a gentleman climbing up a mountain and saying, I'm going to take up all the oxygen in this world by climbing up this mountain and filling up his lungs. But to know that, that there is enough water for that fish in the ocean and to know that there's enough air in the environment for that man's lungs. 
tongues, uh, to know that, to see it from that context, he said, I, I got it. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You, you may be going through something right now that, that feels like, you know what, there's absolutely no hope. God reminds you today, my grace is sufficient for you. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all our broken relationships can be restored. All of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings can be covered by God's grace if we come to him, if we let him. It is more than enough to fill us with hope again. It is sufficient for us to know that we can't do it on our own, but we can do it with his grace. It is when we recognize that Jesus has pursued us. And I'm drawing to a close. It's to, to recognize that he's coming after us. That gives us hope. To let us know that we're prompted to respond with our lives. And as Peter arrives at the shore, there's a fire burning. Jesus is cooking some fish. And I can imagine Jesus just welcoming this man and saying, you know what? It's okay. Jesus sets up the scene and sets up the place right there for them to be able to have that fellowship that they once had. John 21, 15 through 19 says this. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. I just can't tell you that I love you. I have to show you that I love you. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, you remember how many times Peter denied Jesus? The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you want to go. Jesus said to, this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. After they finished eating... Jesus began a conversation that you can imagine started a bit uncomfortable. You can imagine the awkwardness that's taking place. Do you love me? Certainly this is being asked because you denied him, Peter. Jesus asked this question three times. Peter responds all three times with each question. This is what, this is what I want to drive home right here. With each question, Jesus is resurrecting the hope in Peter, that the relationship can be what it once was before. Each of one of three questions is the reversal of the three denials from the chapter before. Because Peter's denial is met by the perfect love of Jesus. It's one of the most beautiful exchanges in all of scripture to let us know that he can cancel our failures. Jesus stands before him that day. He cancels the denial. 
He can cancel our failure. He can cancel our disappointment. He can cancel our sin. And he still wants to today. Worship team, will you come? The last thing. There's grace that's restored, no doubt. But then it's, where do we go from here? What happens next? A life for Jesus is what happens next. Peter responds to each invitation. From Jesus to restore the relationship by answering as honestly as he can about his love. And during that conversation, there's a call to action. Feed my sheep. Essentially, Jesus has given Peter the opportunity to demonstrate his love for, for Jesus by being able to serve. Through serving. The Bible tells us that Peter did indeed remain true to his call. He ends up giving his life to serve the church and to feed Jesus' sheep. Peter's life is a demonstration of his love for Jesus. Peter's life is a demonstration of his love for Jesus. Peter denies Christ. Fast forward to the book of Acts. Peter stands the day of Pentecost, preaches, 3,000 are saved. Peter stands and preaches, 5,000 are saved. This man that couldn't even say, yeah, I know him, denies him his own choice, stands up, preaches, and 8,000 are saved. That's how his story ends. His story ends with him serving Jesus, serving his Lord. What does that mean for you? That means that there's hope for you. That means that there's hope for me. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. There's a God that stands today. He calls you and says, come. You've, you've, you've wavered. You have, it's kind of been, you're hot and you're cold. You're yes and you're no. Jesus says, come on, I love you still. He says, come on. He calls you. He knows what you did last night, but he says, come on, I still love you. He knows what went on last month, but he says, you know what, I still love you. You can change today. There is hope for a restored relationship with Jesus. He invites Peter, as he did in the very beginning, to follow him. And this is the very important truth that I want us to see this morning, that every one of us are invited to follow Jesus initially. And we're invited to trust him and to live our lives and become his followers. But even when we fell, he's still faithful. Even when we let him down, he doesn't let us down. And the invitation remains exactly the same to you and I today that have failed him, that have been a disappointment, that have made poor choices. He says, follow me. He says, follow me. And if the answer is yes, if the answer is yes, then we must live like it. We must live like it. And how we serve others and how we serve this world, if the answer is no through confession of sin and repentance, if you can't say that I love, I love you, Jesus, you can confess, you can 
Repent of that sin. You can repent of whatever's in your life and you can allow God's grace to wash over you and you can let your heart be filled with a newfound affection for him. In John chapter 20, verse 20 and 21, Peter turned and they're looking at this other disciple that's there whom Jesus, they say the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, look, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him and asked, he said, Lord, what about him? Lord, what about him? Can I tell you it's easy at times in our lives to get caught up with everything going around us. And it's easy for us to be looking at somebody else and saying, what about them and what about them? But look what Jesus responds. He says, what is it to you? He says in verse 22, verse 22, he says, what is it to you? He says, follow me. In other words, your focus needs to be on me. Your focus doesn't need to be on who's next to you. We're all on the same team, absolutely. We're all working for one common goal. But you know what, Peter, you have to follow me. You have to follow me. You can't follow that other disciple, the, the one whom Jesus loves. You have to follow me. That is the call to you and I today, that in a world that we so easily get caught up in saying, what is he doing and what is she doing? And look at them and what about, what is it to us? I have to follow him. Let me follow him. Let me follow him. Love for Jesus is proven by life for Jesus. Love for Jesus is proven by a life for Jesus. Love for Jesus is proven by a life for Jesus. Father, we are so grateful today. We stand in your presence. We recognize who you are. We recognize the fragile condition and state of our lives. And we call to you. We call to you the author and the finisher of our faith. We call to you the one who endured the cross for the joy set before you. We call on you today for hope to be restored. We thank you that you stand at the shore of our lives and call us to a renewed relationship with you. We thank you that you stand on the shore of our lives and, and make the invitation and say, you know what? Come back, follow me. For any that are struggling, God, that your grace, that your power, that your spirit would renew us today. God, help us in this moment to be able to prove our, life, prove our love by living a life for you. God, and today I'm so thankful for the parable of the lost sheep. If there are 100 sheep and one gets away, you tell us that the good shepherd pursues the one. And there may be one today who recognizes that this is them. You may recognize that this is you. The Spirit of God is pursuing you today. He's coming after you in this building online if you're watching. Some of you know you're not in a relationship with God right now that needs to. It doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like but you're being drawn to God today. What is that? That is the Holy Spirit of God loving you toward him. What do you need to know right now? You need to know that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that 
we have, we all feel guilty, but because of the grace of Jesus, he is perfect, he shed his blood, he died, and he rose again so that anyone who calls on his name would be forgiven. There are those of you right now, you're the one, you're the one that God is pursuing, he wants you to say yes to him, you feel far from him. You don't know where you stand with him. You feel guilty for your sin. But when you call on the name of Jesus, everything in your life can change today. God hears your prayers. He forgives your sins. You're here today because you're about to become brand new. So if that is you today with every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you in this place that say, I need his grace. I need his grace. I'm not in a relationship. I'm with him. I'm turning away from my old life. I'm turning toward Jesus. If that is you today, would you lift your hand high right now? Just say yes. Just lift your hand and say yes to Jesus. I'm giving you my life. Online, you can let us know in the chat. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I would love for for all of us to pray this out loud together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. Forgive my sins, save me, make me brand new, fill me with your spirit so I could know you and follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own, I give it all to you. Thank you for new life, you have mine, in Jesus name I pray. The angels in heaven rejoice and the people of God rejoice. Would you, would all of you in this place just help me thank God for and welcome those. Would you stand to your feet? Welcome those that have been born today into God's family.